0: Allison Druin is our computer gal. She's a professor at the iSchool at the University of Maryland and special advisor for National Digital Strategy for the National Park Service, for whom she will not be speaking today. (laughs) Is that correct? This is true.
1: I do not (laughs) represent my viewpoints do not represent the National Park Service, nor, nor entire, Yogi Bear or
2: Jellystone Park nor nobody.
1: the entire <laughs> United States. Isn't that impressive? That's
0: impressive. Uh, <laughs> Who do I you, don't
1: represent. Yeah.
0: Do you take responsibility, however, for your own opinions?
1: I <laughs> take no responsibility for my own opinions. Good
3: answer. Are you- Good answer. I guess not. That's
0: John Gilroy's position. He's a computer guy. <laughs> And director for business development for BLT Global Ventures. John Gilroy, welcome. I'm
2: going to have to take a day off and work on my title. you got the best titles <laughs> ever, Alice. <Not> <laughs> poor title. You. Maybe Jellystone Park Manager, Park Ranger or no. something. i got to work on that title.
0: Bill Harlow is <laughs> our computer guy. He's a hardware and software technician from and PCs at Mid-Atlantic Consulting Incorporated. Hi, Bill. Hello, Kojo. And hello, all of you who'd like to join this conversation by calling 800-433-8850. You can send email to kojo at wamu.org. We're going to flip our usual order and start with an app due out next week. It's called People, spelled P-E-E-P-E-E-P-L-E. And it lets you rate other people, spell P-E-O-P-L-E, mm. which makes it feel like the second word should be pople But somehow the English <laughs> language has, has configured that in the people. Do you think that sounds like a great idea or a digital nightmare? Give us a call, 800-433-8850. Would you use an app that lets you rate people the way you rate restaurants or dry cleaners? You can... Send us a tweet at Kojo Show or go to our website, org. Join the conversation there. Bill, please explain the idea behind this People app and how it will work.
3: So the idea was it was a, a – uh, people were describing it as a, a Yelp for other people. So – it, it, the way this was initially envisioned, and it has, the plan has changed, um, initially it was going to be that anybody could rate anybody, You know, whether it's professional interaction or maybe somebody you knew personally, and you could um, submit a positive or a negative review for this person. And you had no no control over who got to rate you. The only control you really had was if you never signed up for the service yourself, uh, the, the negative reviews would not be published online. They would just be uh, hidden in the database. So that, to me, is kind of scary, too, the idea that everybody's talking behind my back, and I decide to go and see what's up, and I sign in, and... The floodgates are open for all the negative things people said, but it, it also sounds like even though it's coming from a place of positivity, it sounds like, um, like a lot of things online. It's a place that can be uh, potentially dangerous, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, ways to use a service like this to uh, harass somebody.
0: Exactly how would it work? So uh,
3: the idea is that uh, you would have to prove that you knew somebody. Um, So I think you'd have to know their phone number or have to know them on Facebook. You'd have to use your real name.
0: Then you rate them?
3: And then you rate them, yeah. You you submit your uh, your reviews.
1: Imagine I could just rate John for like how he cooks, <laughs> <laughs> or how, famous or, chef, or how he drinks his coffee, or something, you know. And uh, imagine everything you've ever done, you could be rated in a review. How like horrific could this be, right?
0: The P-E-E-P and people seems to be the most important part of it. It's It's my understanding that your daughter's class talked about this peeping, I mean, people.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're in trouble now, Coach.
0: What what did they think in her class?
2: Her
1: high school class actually had this full discussion about how scary this would be. Could this be, could people just be an ex- could it be an excuse for bullying could it follow them the rest of their lives could it emotionally socially you know hurt them job wise and so they actually all made an agreement that none of them would put this app on any of their hardware um, in that had to do with the And they're school. teenagers. And they're teenagers. No, no, listen to the motto, listen to the motto.
2: <laughs> we want to bring positivity and kindness to the world. I know. What could possibly go wrong with that? But okay,
1: as of three hours ago, they uh, essentially backed down. There was so much bad press for this app. I mean, these people were getting that the founders were getting death threats.
2: I mean, <laughs> that's not positivity. Really? Seriously. I think
3: if nothing else, that just shows how you know potentially dangerous uh, the online world can be. I mean, you're, you're creating this app to be positive, and people are reacting to you negatively. That kind of tells you maybe you need to rethink your plans.
1: So basically, now they they have decided that there will be no. Uh, negativity allowed okay that in other words um you have to have permission to be on there will there'll be no waiting to take down bad comments they will just be taken out and you yourself get to approve any comment that someone says so john if i give you a three for drinking coffee and you don't like that three you're basically done you know and we just cross what
2: happens when kojo evaluates me and says john
0: is frequently sober
2: is that positive? <laughs> is that negative? Who's going to evaluate that? I evaluate that?
0: The system evaluates well, that? Well, apparently the site is not going to allow any negative comments at all, <laughs> just, right? It's going to be right. now just a, right. a niceness.
1: It's a nice... Imagine that. I know. And actually, so there are a number of people that... So now they've had the reverse backlash of people saying, how boring. Do we need another positive site? <laughs> like like LinkedIn or like, you know,
2: well, there's but no... If, if, if it
0: isn't positive, can it do, John, irreparable harm to somebody's reputation? It might be blank. <laughs> <laughs>
2: good there. Oh
0: wow, what a loser he is! <laughs> That's true. It's better for people to say something nice about you than not to say anything at all. It's going to cost right? me a lot of
2: money—twenty bucks a compliment. Just <laughs> well, anyone listening, I'll pay you twenty bucks to say something good about me. <laughs> well, tell us
0: if you would use that app eight hundred four three three eight eight five zero that lets you rate people. It wasn't a closely guarded secret, but late last month, Google unveiled two Nexus phones that ship with the latest version of Android. It also introduced a new tablet called the Pixel C. And new features for Chromecast video streaming. Bill, what's new in the Nexus 5X and 6P?
3: You know, with all these announcements, I wish I could remember where the headline was. Um, But it was great. It was along the lines of, Google just um, announced everything Apple just released but cheaper. And that's sort of what happened here. (laughs) Um, So they've got the the Nexus phones have always been Google's sort of flagship, pristine, clean, pure Android experiences. Um, they're the ones that, uh, you know, they partner with other manufacturers to sell these things that are Google-branded. So the uh, 5X is the smaller one, uh, this 5.2-inch screen. Uh, the 6P, uh, the Nexus 6P, has a 5.7-inch screen. And they both are 64-bit. Uh, they I believe they're both quad-core. They have fingerprint readers. They've got really nice 12-megapixel cameras. Uh, the Pixel C... Um, that's sort of their version of the Microsoft Surface or the uh, iPad Pro. It's uh, about a 10 inch screen, and you can convert it into a laptop style form factor. The Chromecast is basically the Chromecast you always knew. You know, it's round now, and it supports uh, faster speeds, higher resolutions. Um, but it's, you know, the, the big selling point of the Chromecast is that it's $35. Uh, the audio one, I think, is more interesting to me just because a lot of things have Bluetooth for wireless audio, but it doesn't sound great. So if the
2: phone is round? or the, I'm sorry,
3: sorry. No, no. no. I'd, I'd like to try a round phone. <laughs> a digital rotary phone. No, <laughs> no, no, no. The Chromecast. Dial Kojo. <laughs> the Chromecast the phone doesn't is, work. Is, is round. It's a round dongle that plugs into your TV. But the audio, the Chromecast audio, I think is kind of cool because it's a Wi-Fi higher grade of audio, sort of like Apple's AirPlay.
0: How would you compare this new um, phone with the iPhone oh, S or 6s plus and the Galaxy S6?
1: Well, you know, I was looking at I was I was looking at them and I realized that okay, so maybe the Apple 6 plus is thinner and maybe the Nexus six is like 0.05 taller
3: or scandalous (laughs)
1: 0.21 inches wider Uh, honestly from from like a distance of you know a foot you probably would not be (laughs) able to tell the difference um i think the real difference is where do you want your apps from okay are you an app person that lives in the, uh, is in the Apple world? Are you a a person that lives in the Android world? Um, many of the kids apps still live predominantly in the Apple world, in which case you probably want to stick with your apples, um, with your iPhone series. Uh, but for people that, um, you know, that have software in the Android world, this is a perfectly good option they've um they've replicated anything that you've got mostly with apple except for those apps so um you know i think it's a it's a great option a great possible uh,
2: possibility
0: um john here to wake <laughs> up and join this <laughs> conversation. i was just thinking about
2: dialing a code with a rotary phone no, I just- <laughs> well we had
0: somebody who wanted to talk about the people app that we talked about earlier somebody tweeted that people sounds like the recipe like a recipe for bullying and then we got an email from COPA who said, I want to t- point out that the original intent of Facebook was to do exactly this kind of rating. And perhaps the number of friends someone has is a measure of their popularity. Um, I think that went out a while ago.
1: Well, there was discussion of having a, a, a thumbs down, mm-hmm. a dislike option, and boy, that raised people's, um, you know, uh, blood pressure you know and because really what is Facebook it's you know if you put your your vacation pictures online and you get 120 likes you say aha I've done something great if you put it up there and you get two likes you you know that nobody really cares and okay you're done um, so uh, you know they feel like you don't really need that dislike thing because the dislike thing is really a, and you know not such a nice thing so.
0: well Google has also introduced a new tablet that heads toward being a laptop substitute what does the Pixel C do, Bill?
3: Oh, that's the one uh, we actually just talked about that. It was uh, the one that um,
0: you can... Like John, I wasn't listening.
3: <laughs> that's That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> happens a lot when i talk but uh <laughs> what did you say so, so just,
1: just to repeat it fast just, okay? to, just
3: to recap the pixel c is uh their 10 inch tablet that's a little more pro um it's got uh, of course a really nice uh, uh touch screen and they include a tab- just put
2: the word dongle
3: in and okay. someone's gonna listen and oh and, and, and it's round and i mentioned that john yeah, the yeah, pixel c is dongle. a round tablet
1: <laughs> it's not a round tablet. no
3: but it comes with a. He's con-
1: giving bad information now
3: it's it's, it's, a, it's a convertible tablet with a really nice folding keyboards, so you can make it into a laptop-like device.
0: If you happen to be, to be listening and would like to make <laughs> a comment or have a question, call us at 800-433-8850. You can send email to cojun.wamu.org. <clears throat> Google introduced new features for its Chromecast video streaming service, but Amazon will no longer sell Chromecast or Apple TV. What's going on in the video streaming market? Well, I'm listening to this because I have Apple TV. So, uh,
3: <laughs> this is kind of odd, right? So, a- Amazon has their instant video streaming service, and if you're an Amazon Prime member, you have a lot of things you can access for free. Um, so they, Amazon's also a huge retailer. They sell a lot of stuff from a lot of people, and it, it, this is kind of in a gray area, right? They're, it's their store; they can sell what they want, but they're saying that uh, the um, Google Chromecast and the Apple TV will no longer be sold on Amazon because they don't have uh, support for Amazon uh, Video, oh. Oh. and
1: and it might confuse. It might confuse. Their users. Users. This is so. About yeah, the fusion, right? Right, I, I right. Don't, you know, this is so
3: wrong. Well, Amazon, <laughs> Amazon fights for the people, Allison.
1: Oh, right. Oh, right. You know what? Say it like it is. If you don't want to sell something, just say, hey, they're a competitor. We're not selling it.
2: But don't lie. I mean, that was a lie. No, it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's shady at that. best. That's positivity. That's not positivity. We've got to work on positivity. Well, here's what I find hilarious,
3: too, is that uh, Amazon makes an app for the iPhone and, and the iPad that uh, can play this video. And it seems to me that uh, since tvOS for Apple TV will allow you to, to make apps and based on a similar core, they could just port that right over, and then boom, you've got your Amazon Video on your Apple TV. But uh, no word on that yet. So this just well, strikes me as a real line in the sand. Maybe they're, they're going to say, no, we explicitly will not make this Apple TV app, and we want to directly compete with the Apple TV, and this is one of the advantages we will use with our store.
2: And I'll bet that Jeff Bezos will take advertising dollars from Apple for the Washington Post. Yeah, that's I'm pretty true. sure that's, he that's will. A,
1: that's a true, but you know, it's actually surprising because here's here's the Kindle app that did so well mm-hmm. by being agnostic and going on absolutely every platform mm-hmm. and really took over the the you know the online reading world. And how could you how could you not do this for your TV? I mean, I, it's crazy. And also, anyway.
3: if you're one of those TV uh, supposed cord cutters who's ditching cable and switching to streaming devices, this now complicates your life. It makes it tougher to pick the devices um, to watch what you want to watch.
1: Yeah, that's true. Absolutely.
0: Back to the People app. Here is David in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. David, you're on the air. Go ahead, please.
4: Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. I just want to say that uh, when it comes to Yelp and other view sites, uh, I actually work at a place, uh, at a brewery. We give out tours. We
3: give free beer. You'd think people would be thrilled about that. I would.
2: Uh, What's your address?
3: One of my favorite things to do is actually uh, sit around uh, about once a month or so, and we like to read all of the bad reviews we can find, and we sit there on a campfire, and we do it, like, beat slam poetry style. (laughs) Dramatic pauses and everything else. We have a blast with it, uh, and it really just shows you how – terrible some people decide to be. It doesn't bother us at all. We just laugh hysterically. Uh, I would actually love a people app. If I could sit around and, and do the same thing but re- with reviews about myself, that would make me incredibly happy as a human being. It also sounds like the staff that really enjoys their own product from the sound <laughs> of things.
5: <This> <laughs> before after <laughs> closing. We
0: do. We do. <laughs> you sound
1: like a very balanced human being that has got a good ego on him. So good for you. Good for you.
0: Thank you. <laughs> Well, you were hoping we would say you're unbalanced, didn't you? <laughs> but you're not. You're probably balanced and normal. And we've got to take a short break when we come back. More with the computer guys and gal. We'll take your questions or comments at 800 433 8850. You can shoot us a tweet at KojoShore. Email to kojo at wamu.org. I'm Kojo Nan.
1: Hi, it's Diane. The next meeting of my book club is on Wednesday, May 31st at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'll host a discussion of Mad Honey by Jody Pico and Jennifer Finney Boylan, followed by a conversation with the authors. Find out more and register at dianeream.org book club.
0: Welcome back to the Computer Guys and Gal. Bill Harlow is a hardware and software technician for Macs and PCs at Mid-Atlantic Consulting Incorporated. John Gilroy is Director for Business Development for BLT Global Ventures. Allison Drone is Special Advisor for National Digital Strategy for the National Park Service and a professor at the iSchool at the University of Maryland. Um, on some of the topics we discussed earlier, here is a comment from an email from David who says, uh, an important feature for many consumers is that the Google Nexus phones arrive unlocked, allowing the consumer to choose the cell phone carrier that meets their needs without getting into long-term contracts. A lot of people are looking for that, Bill.
3: Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And these, are, uh, these phones are one of the cheaper ways of getting into that, too.
0: There's an interesting philosophical question that we are about to raise, but since we mentioned it earlier, people are weighing it on, on it already. For instance... We have an email from Mike who says, I actually don't believe that the monkey or any animal can hold a copyright. Copyright is fundamentally about being creative and inventive, distinctly story. human traits. All non humans do not have the deep and vast creative <laughs> capacity of a human. Also, a non human cannot own a camera. What you may ask is Mike talking about? <laughs> well,
5: I love this here story. It.
0: A British nature <laughs> photographer. Yes. On a trip to Indonesia, set up a tripod and camera in a reserve for crested macaque monkeys. A couple curious monkeys played with the camera and took what turned out to be selfies. Wikipedia and others put the photos on the Internet, and now there is a lawsuit who over who owns the rights to those pictures, the man or the monkeys? Can animals own copyrights? You should know. The suit was filed in federal court in San Francisco by People for the Ethical Treatment of An- Animals Peter it seeks a court order allowing Peter to administer all proceeds from the photos for the benefit of the monkey, which is, identi- <laughs> which is identified as six-year-old Naruto and other crested macaques oh, living a in a reserve story. on the Indonesian island of Sulawesi.
2: Oh, so if you read the story in the Washington Post, you can tell they're having so much fun. They're like rolling on the floor laughing. And the last sentence in the story in the Washington Post is great. And the last sentence is, Naruto was unavailable
0: for comment. That's <laughs> such a great story. I am with Peter myself. Allison.
1: <laughs> I just well, love okay, this. So Who took the photo? <laughs> yeah. All right. So there so there's a few things that that you that you should think about here. first of all, um, this this photo was taken a bunch of years ago, okay there was a few years ago. and when um, Wikipedia actually put it up, the photographer actually sent a cease and desist to take it down. And that's when people started saying, well, wait a second.
0: you I, didn't take this picture I,
1: you didn't take this picture. well, <laughs> okay, and now you know now the the real interesting thing is people are saying, well, wait a second. Um, do you have to be human to hold a copyright? And people uh, have pointed out that we we treat companies as authors of copyright, and companies are not people. Companies- Incorporate the monkey. Right? Right. Problem solved.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Get, a, get the monkey a good monkey lawyer.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I think they do uh, with pizza. but uh, So the real question is the crux of it, and they, I don't know if they're really thinking they're going to win, but the crux of it is was the monkey acting with, end quotes, creative purpose? Because if you have. That's not
2: the question at all. If
1: creative purpose. Oh, shush. If you have creative purpose, then you're allowed That's not to own the copy, at all. copyright.
2: What's the question? Say, well, wait a How minute. stupid are these people? That's oh, the question. They're I, really I, stupid. I, I know. No, oh, this is about copyright and well, here's what I thought I was driving in here. I'm saying, oh say, I go to Kojo's house, he's got one of those vacuum cleaner robots thing, Romba or something. So I put a camera on there, takes a picture of Kojo. Who owns that? Well the robot office copyright
0: office says it will only register copyrights for works produced by humans. humans not almost humans. Do you agree? (laughs) Do you agree with that stance? Give us a call, 800-433-8850. Who actually took the picture here? (laughs) The, 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 The man is exploring legal action against some of the outlets that printed the photos, saying he was very saddened by Peter's lawsuit because he considers himself an advocate of animal rights. But as the Washington Post correctly pointed out, Naruto has yet to respond <laughs> to, to this controversy. What,
2: is, this is, on so many different levels, this is a great story. One of the subject matter experts they brought in was Wikipedia. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute, who are you? I mean, I, I know Jimmy Wales. I know those folks. Are, who are you? I mean, he just put together all this. This is a subject matter expert on a serious topic like copyright law. I mean, why don't you just ask me or some guy, the next uh, you know, taxi cab driver you see. I mean, come on now. This is, this is just a hilarious story. This is top-notch humor.
0: In another photo story, a new kind of selfie made its debut on Instagram, video selfies taken with a GoPro mounted on a drone. The illustrator who's been posting these images calls them "droneys." FAA rules, is this the next big thing? What a great, you know, I've been to
2: Central America, and she was at a uh, a site in Belize, near Uxmal and Chichen Itza, and and she had this uh, GoPro on a uh, uh, Drone and it kind of faded away and took a picture of her. She started doing really kind of interesting and creative and thoughtful. But I mean, what about you know airplanes and flight? Any FA's got to get a move on. You know, I've I've talked to pilots about this issue, and the FA is very scared to make any kind of statements about this at all. So, and and then and then I think whatever happens in the United States is going to be mirrored outside the United States unless people in Germany and France they they make the statement first. So, FA's got to get on this, they got to decide what. You can do with a drone what you can't.
1: But let's just remember what this is. This is a video camera, a small little video camera, on something that flies that actually looks like a little robot, okay? Now, batteries die. The thing lands in the wrong place and lands in the water. Um, even, you know, even lugging the equipment through airports. This is just not an easy
2: thing to negotiate. Who, who owns the droney? Oh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well... Mike has an opinion on who owns the photo. Oh, good. Mike in Fairfax, Virginia. Mike, you're on the air. Go ahead, please.
4: Uh, this 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 whole this whole topic is so silly that I think the right <laughs> answer is we 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 award the right of copyright to the camera, because that's what took the picture, right? As as for the and as for this as as for the, uh, the 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 drone selfies, there is in fact a company building a gadget, uh, initially targeted at skiers which basically follows you down oh, the, the hill lily. Yeah. Uh, videoing you, right? And I can just imagine how well that's going to end.
0: <laughs> well, thank you very much for your comment. The camera also has no comment on this issue. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very, But thank you very much for your call. And going back to the earlier discussion we had on the app called People, Kelly in an email says, this sounds like a very bad idea. We can can already rate contractors on Angie's list, which can be helpful, but rating friends, no, no, no. And then there is this from a tweet that we got from Fix Swamada, who says, I can't give you my thoughts on this because someone will give me a bad rating.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Perfect tweet.
0: (laughs) For years, ad blockers have been available for your computer to remove those annoying ads that flash and scroll and distract you during web searches last month. Apple made ad blockers available for the iPhone and iPad, which is raising practical and philosophical questions about their use. Tell us what you think. 800-433-8850. Do you use an ad blocker? Would you like to put one on your phone? I just did this morning. Do you feel guilty for blocking ads? Eight hundred four three three eight eight five zero. You can send email to kojo@wamu.org or a tweet at kojo show. John, let us start with the practical aspects of this. The New York Times looked at whether blocking ads on a smartphone saves time and money. What did the newspaper find?
2: Well, it found that uh, some sites are three hundred percent slower with uh with the advertising on there and so uh they compared a bunch of different sites and i thought it was, a, it was a nice balanced article i thought it was pretty good because they're in a very delicate world here they're evaluating the new york times.com i mean this is this is a very delicate situation to be in and uh, i think they did a good job by comparing three different blockers different sites and um and, and i think this is going to be a, a, a real big deal i mean Two years ago, three out of five searches on Google were done on handheld devices. I mean, most websites now have about 20% viewers are on are handheld, and so we know responsive design held, handheld is the way it's going to go. And I think the marketers have to respond to this, and, and I've got what they're going to do, but I want to see what the listeners have to say. What's the response to these? is not
0: advertised? Mo- what do you do? There's a moral dilemma with ad blocking. These ads are what give us free access to the Internet content. If you get rid of the ads, are you going to kill off your favorite websites?
1: Well, this is very similar to TV, people said the same thing um, when TiVo's came out, and you know, and the and you the ability to just skip ads. Um, I think that the real question is, what do you want in terms of a product or you know of branded information? Okay, if if the branded information is something useful and is not right in my face, I actually do read it. So it's a question of, or look at it, um, it's a question of what we can do so that we're not necessarily um, pushing people into their data limits on their cell phones That's because right. you know the, the it, it, with these larger data sizes that the ads create, you're
3: paying for the ads.
1: You are paying for the ads.
3: Someone uh, I think on Medium did a calculation and determined that uh, the carriers to be making more off of mobile ads than the people who are uh, actually uh, running them on their sites. Just you know, when you when you factor in the potential data costs.
1: Yeah. I mean, the real challenge is if you're a small little, um, you know, a little company and you really want to get the word out, what do you do to actually, you know, to get that branded information out that um, where you won't get skipped, that you won't get dumped? And um, and that's really hard. I mean, people are actually going to more of a combination of social media and event driven um, branded information. Um, versus these, like, let me flash it in front of your nose and you can't actually see your information
2: for for 10 seconds.
0: Well, do you recommend installing an ad blocker on your iPhone? If so, John, which one?
2: Oh, I I just uh, take what the recommendations purify, probably. I mean, the New York Times said they did a great job of it, you know, and and, uh, I think the New York Times is doing a a better and better job about technology reporting and uh, better than the Washington Post. Now, it used to be good uh, with Rob Pegoraro, but uh, they're dropping the ball, but the New York Times is in the game, so I think it was a good story. So,
3: Coach, I can ask you, why did you install an ad blocker?
0: Because I hate well, seeing ads. You know, as far as I was concerned, the invention of the remote control was the end of my watching television right. ads because then I could start switching channels whenever there was an ad on one channel, and then the channels all conspired to have ads at the same time. <laughs> <Conspired>. <laughs> and so, it's true. And so with the availability of using a Roku or something, you, you can avoid ads. I don't. Enjoy ads unless they 're really very funny,
1: yeah, I mean think about it. When are the times in our in our collective popular experiences that ads matter well, during the super Bowl right, <laughs> and think about it what are those ad why are those ads different than your average ad? what they're doing is they're truly thinking about how to connect to people and I and so i'm really not opposed to ads um, because I think it does support. Um, important things in our world that don't um, that we don't necessarily uh, you know support any other way.
3: So it, it yeah, it's a it's a careful balancing act of, yeah. of of getting that message out and not wasting the viewer's time or or diverting their attention from why they went someplace in the first place.
2: If you uh, talk to the people at the Ad Club of Washington D.C. or the Public Relations Society of America or the content marketers who people I I know, what they say what's going to happen is the big budget money is going to go into something called native advertising. And so they realize that these ads are going to get blocked sooner or later. It's going to be Purify. It's going to be the the app from Kojo Namdi, the Namdi app, whatever it's going to to block the ads. So what they're going to do, they're going to pivot with something called native advertising, which is articles placed in respectable publications that look like they could be written by the Washington Post, but they're actually advertising Allison's Dry Cleaners or, or Bill's Tap Dancing Studio or whatever. So native advertising is going to happen in the next five years to overcome those ads.
1: Now, just remember... When you're doing using an ad blocker, they are actually getting at your data. Okay. Um, in fact, AdBlock um, <clears throat> for a laptop uh, for the laptop version says AdBlock won't save or retrieve your personal browsing habits or information for any reason beyond end quotes what is required to make it work. Now, what does it mean required to make it work? Okay, mm-hmm. so just remember, you're giving permission to people to access your data. So, and now we all know where that goes, and and you know, and the promise not to track uh, you or sell you information—you have to believe in them. And so, that's also one of the downsides of of ad blockers.
0: You just can't win. Here no. now is Michael in Washington DC. Who wants to go back to the? Topic we discussed earlier. you know which one, Michael. You're on the air. Go ahead, please.
5: Yeah, thank you for taking my call. Honey, I mean, it is obvious that the guy who set up the camera is the one who should hold the copyright. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's the common sense approach. But he then didn't. Secondly, but he didn't, about the,
0: But um, he didn't take uh, the photo. Naruto took the photo. The monkey.
5: No, as the other colleague mentioned, the monkey. Can, the monkey is not, you cannot owe a copyright because it's a monkey, it's not a human being.
0: See, I'm being and concerned about that. this anti monkey sentiment. Michael St-
5: <laughs> <getting>.
2: <laughs> Michael's
0: actually thinking about this. this. Anti monkey sentiments we're getting on. Michael, this. you're wasting brain cells on this whole process <laughs> of thinking this through. It's just a funny story. Please proceed with your argument. serious.
5: Shush. <laughs> I'm Mike. from two countries Ghana and Brazil, and I love monkeys. I, I, I know them, I love them. But this, this, the monkey can be as brilliant as ever. He shall not owe the copyright. Let's assume you summon him to court.
0: Okay, we'll see what you happens. You the
5: monkey to court and say, okay, did you take this picture? <laughs>
0: what would you expect the monkey to say? Somebody's probably developing a speech <laughs> app for monkeys even as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> they did, might be
2: able to answer to Did you to make a movie out of this? I can feel like courtroom uh, a
0: courtroom drama movie. Boy, this is Michael Strongman. Greg, same topic, your turn. <laughs>
5: I'm sorry, I can't help. I can't help laughing with the last caller. It was that's quite funny. It's not. I, I, it's not something to be upset about. But I'm no. a photographer myself. The camera. Sometimes people buy these GoPros or these new models that people put on their hats and go down the slope. That doesn't mean the copyright belongs to the hat. And on the same note, if they try the often, especially on video, the camera is placed down on a tripod and the the person who shoots the video may walk away not to cause vibrations on the camera, that video still belongs to that videographer. In the case of the picture, the camera was sat on a tripod, somebody may have pushed a button. And on the same note, there is a famous photographer by the name of Gregory Crudson, which he sets up all a bunch of equipment and and and, and, and things, but somebody else actually fires The camera. That doesn't mean that the picture did not belong to him. Everything was set up by him, and he's a famous photographer, and all the pictures are copyrighted, so I don't even understand why we're having this this discussion.
0: Well, well, you may not understand why we're arguing it, but we're glad you decided to participate in the argument yourself. Thank you very much for your call. And, obviously, this is a serious issue, as you will now hear from Jeff in Washington, D.C. Jeff, tell us who you are.
4: Hi Kojo, I'm Jeff Kerr. I'm PETA's general counsel and Whoa, I am the
2: winner, winner, boy, and, great. Uh,
4: and I am one of the attorneys that had the privilege of filing this lawsuit, and the purpose of the suit is simply to have, as you've commented on, have the actual being that took the photographs declared the author and the copyright owner. And there's there's no question that this macaque intentionally, purposefully took these photos. And just as any human who took those photos uh, would be entitled to the copyright, uh, that should be no different. No different for this macaque, whose name is Naruto, by the way, um, simply because he's not a human.
0: Well, if the U.S. Copyright offices, Office says it'll only register copyrights for works produced by humans, how will that affect your court argument?
4: Well, that's the opinion of the Copyright Office, but it's just that um, we respectfully disagree with that, and we believe the law is clear that it's whoever takes the photograph uh, is the one who owns it and should benefit. And the purpose of this case is entirely consistent with everything in copyright law, which is to have the photographer, the creator, benefit from the proceeds of that photograph. These animals are critically endangered. Uh, Ninety percent of them have been wiped out in the last 25 years, being killed for bushmeat and being killed because because they're foraging for food as human population encroaches on them. And all we want is the recognition that the photographer should be entitled to the copyright and the proceeds used to benefit him and his habitat and his community.
0: What's the timeline for this case to proceed?
4: It will be several months. Uh, The defendants will have an opportunity to file a a response, and the court will set a schedule, and and we will go from there. But we would expect the first argument in, in a few months' time, probably.
0: Jeff, thank you for sharing that with us. And if all of this means that ultimately Naruto gets a lifestyle upgrade, then I am all for it. Thank you very much for your call.
1: Thank that you. was such an honor that you called. Well, was an honor. Yes, it was. I'm so excited that he called. You know, what says, about these says, groups There are cameras.
0: There are council for the other
2: side. There are Google. national <laughs> parks with cameras sitting out there with motion detectors. So 2 o'clock in the morning, a deer gets his picture. Who owns that picture? The so, deer? I was wondering, we heard from Jeff, is Naruto going to call in next? Yes, <laughs>
0: Naruto. I'm scoping the lines right now. But <laughs> if Naruto's calling, he's calling under a that would pseudonym. Be a, that would be a guess. Even the post couldn't get it to. But it it's clear
1: that this has struck a chord with people, both our listeners as well as within the studio, and I think this is fabulous discussion so there, John.
0: As a result of which, we have <laughs> to take a short break. We'll be right back, <laughs> but you can still call 800-433-8850 or send email to kojo at wamu.org, but there's another call, another emailer before we take that break who weighs in on the issue of the dronies. Virginia says... Who owns the rights of the dronies? The discussion we had earlier about the drones taking pictures. Perhaps the copyright brothers will chime <laughs> in.
2: No. Yes, that was
0: really bad, Virginia. <laughs> well done. Well done. done. That's worse than me. Oh, I love it. 800 is the number. I'm Kojo Nandi. The computer guys and gal are here. John Gilroy is director for business development for BLT Global Ventures. Alison Druin is a special advisor for the National Digital Strategy for the, for the National Park Service. She doesn't speak for them. She's also a professor at the iSchool at the University of Maryland. She doesn't speak for them. <laughs> what about Naruto? Didn't speak for him. And Bill Harlow is a hardware and software technician for Macs and PCs at (laughs) Mid-Atlantic Consulting Incorporated. The Washington area dodged the worst of Hurricane Joaquin last weekend, but the rain we did get reminds us that storm season is upon us. How do we prepare your tech devices, or how do you prepare your tech devices for the possibility of damaging storms winter and summer? Give us a call, 800-433-8850. What role does your phone play in helping you to prepare prepare for and to endure a big storm? Allison, what advice do you have for preparing tech devices and data for so-called severe weather events?
1: Well, you know, it depends, obviously, um, if you're preparing as a person um, at a home or in in a business. So I'm going to give you the person at a home stuff. Okay, first of all, um, you've got to back up everything, back up everything, back up everything and I'm not saying just back it up you know and put it to the side of your computer. I'm saying get this thing off your you know out of your house in the cloud, print it on paper, do whatever, but make sure you back it up a bunch of times. You really got to document what devices you have because in in a real storm and, and such, you know, you could you, you you might go months without realizing you've lost things because somebody looted you or you, you or it it broke and so on. Um you want to make sure that you unplug all of your devices because of the, the, surge, um, uh, the surge protection um, that you really need. Um, and many times surge protectors are not that great um, at protecting you. You should really have battery packs ready for all of your devices um, because you really don't want to depend. I mean, look, I'm one, one of those people that went off to a coffee house, you know, in the middle of the winter and sitting by a plug because I basically lost all of my juice and all no of my battery pack. Yeah, no battery pack. Too, yeah. Thank you very much um, get your, and this is a simple one, get your tech away from the windows. Okay. Um, you just, you know, whether the, w- whether the wind is going to come and break windows or the, or the is going to come in or whatever it is. And speaking of water, you really want to put your tech in plastic sealed cases. If this is, if, if we're talking about a real weather event, you've got to be really careful here. Um, and either sealed bags, sealed cases, and even make sure where you put it, you know if we're talking about a place that get uh, that regularly gets tornadoes or hurricanes make sure you put this in um, you know in furniture or underneath uh, furniture that uh, what do call it where if something collapses you're not necessarily uh, you know going to have the thing crushed um, at the same time you don't want to put it on the floor because you know you could have a flood in which case then you also lose it so
0: what are some of the apps that can help us get information during the worst of the storm
1: well it turns out that um, I I was finding that uh, FEMA um, the federal emergency uh, Wait, official emergency association management. That? Management, yes, that's it. Um, and and the Red Cross had a bunch of different um, really nice apps. Uh, FEMA's um, is a general one with you know giving you uh, weather alerts, helping you with local shelters, meeting places, and and so on. Um, the Red Cross actually has uh, different. Uh, different apps for different um, weather <laughs> events, hurricanes, uh, you know, is one, earthquakes, tornadoes, wildfires. But the Red Cross has something really interesting. It has um, a monster uh, a monster app, okay, for kids 7 to 11. It's actually sponsored by Disney, but it actually, they created a game um, to help kids uh, prepare. Help the monster stay safe in a in a weather emergency. So it's actually there's some nice uh, some nice stuff. So take a look at uh, the Red Cross or FEMA.
2: I want to be funny here, but people in South Carolina right now are in a world of hurt.
1: Yeah, so. they really are. So really, um, you know, and I I don't know if this information. We well, 16 yes.
0: Sixteen inches of rain in a oh, short period of there time. There you go.
1: And it could have been us. And and they were talking about it. It could have been here. So, um, folks, you know, take it seriously. Don't do this at the last minute. Um, take a look at these weather apps and, uh, and such beforehand because it will help you uh, in the long run.
0: i got to tell you the island of Dominica in the Caribbean got 10 inches of rain during the last tropical storm we had. The infrastructure of that country has been damaged. It's going to take that country years uh, stop. Rain can do a heck of a lot of damage. Well, right. as always we have some new security breaches to examine. Malware at Apple, both on computers and in the App Store and T-Mobile customers who may be affected by a hack at a credit reporting service. John Gilroy, how did malware get into Apple's App Store? Is this a first? Well, this is the problem.
2: I mean, I even I would trust that store. I think it's pretty safe, but it, it got in through a related application somehow or other, but it, it's at the point now where... I have to start looking at some of these apps from a security perspective and just really start taking a look closer at what exactly are they doing, what information are they gathering. And I I thought I could trust Apple, but I guess we can't. Well, what's hilarious is that you can not trust Apple if you download
3: the developer tools from Apple. There were people, I I think it was in China, where it was taking a while to download, so they just went somewhere else to a non-Apple website to download Xcode, which is what you use to make, uh, to develop a Mac and an iOS app. Because it's faster
2: than the Apple site.
3: Yeah, so I I don't know. To me, that sounds kind of dumb. You should know better if you're a developer. And, And number
2: two... Adobe Flash. That's how yeah. it works. So it worked with. It. So if you're going to be um, not uh, careful, you can get in big
0: trouble. So I'm just very, very wary. Security researchers discovered a new piece of malware targeted at Apple computer users. It opens the door for future Trojan infections. What's it called, and how can Apple users avoid being infected? This is the Xcode ghost, right? Uh, no, this
3: is a MacKeeper.
0: Oh, MacKeeper, that's right.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, it, it poses as as uh, software for your Mac that can clean it up and, and, you know, solve problems. But it's one of those things where the vector for getting it is usually uh, a, a sketchy ad somewhere. Even on, on sites you might use and like, like Speedtest, for example, I see ads for it popping up there. And it's... It, you know I, I would never just randomly install uh, an a utility like that on any computer uh, that just showed up in, in an ad and uh, I, the other thing I, i'd say too is even like really good uh, security tools for your pc because of the of nature of how they work on on your computer and how much access access to the system they need those can also be a potential vector for for malware as well I and mean, not malicious but it's just one of those uh, those risks versus reward situations
1: well, you think about it do you would you go into a store that you've never been in before—it looks a little sketchy. You're not quite sure. Um, you Here, do... drink
3: this. What is it? Don't worry <laughs> about it. Yeah, <laughs>
1: exactly. You know, so you just gotta just you know think about it and say, hmm, wait a second. Do I know this? Do I trust this? Or um, are... and you can always go online and ask. You know, go to social media and ask people. Hey, has anyone heard about this?
3: Never hurts to ask.
1: Yeah, ask, and you know, and you'll probably get ten answers, and you'll say, oh my goodness, I'm so glad I didn't do
3: that.
0: Bill, T-Mobile customers may have been affected by a hack on the credit reporting service Experian. The exposure seems to affect people who applied for T-Mobile service between September 1st and 16th. What happened, and what does this third attack on Experian in three years tell us? Well, it tells us that our data is just,
3: no matter what you do on your side, um, no matter who you deal with, there's always a risk that your data can be accessed. that's what it means. Yeah, sloppy on Experian's uh, uh, part, and to the point where even T-Mobile's CEO basically kind of uh, said, we need to review our partnership with Experian in the future, because they made off with, uh, the quote here is, uh, the records contain names, addresses, social security numbers, birth dates, and passport numbers, military IDs, or driver's license numbers. So pretty sensitive data.
0: And Alison, a crowdfunding platform for artists called Patreon or Patreon was also hacked. The company advised users to update their passwords. What's the significance of that theft?
1: Well, you know, here's this. Okay, you've all heard of Kickstarter, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And Kickstarter is about funding. A um, project,
3: usually. One yeah.
1: project, usually, right? And, uh... I don't know if it says
3: Patreon or... I think it's Patreon. I think it's like... I think it's Patreon, like patron.
1: Yeah, like patron. So anyway, Patreon is this really great new site. And it actually supports artists and musicians and basically creators of content in an ongoing basis. So when somebody publishes something... Um, and so you say, hey, John just wrote this really cool story, and okay... And- or this
3: monkey took this really cool photograph. <laughs> yeah, yeah and
1: you're supporting the monkey. So anyway, but what what you do is you say, I'm going to... Every time John writes something, um, I'm going to give him $5. I'm going to give you my credit card um, information, and you just pull it out. And then at any time, you stop paying for these people. So you're a patron of the arts, if if you will. I mean, my goodness, this is like you know, uh, apple pie in America. How are you taking, you're taking from these poor, starving artists. Okay. A, finally a way of being able to support them. And so what happened was um, these, these wonderful people that were developing the Patreon site. Um, unfortunately, they actually had a debug version mm-hmm. of the site that was um, essentially accessible through the internet, and you should—it should have been behind a firewall, so no one have been able to get it. And what they did was, in this debug version, you know, so the programmers are debugging it and so on. They needed some some sample, um, you know, customer information to make sure certain things worked. And so in and so basically, they took a snapshot of the database. And so what happened was, they let out the code and um, and they also let out user information.
3: I just want to say, too, that since I do back some people on, on Patreon, and one of the things that a lot of these people are saying, and uh, it, it totally makes sense, is that this was a platform where, like, hey, they're still starving artists, but, like, there's some consistent income coming in. And, you know, that's really uh, important. And to have the trust in Patreon potentially shattered, I mean, where are they supposed to go? They can't just wash their hands and jump ship to some other platform because, uh, right. well, one, I can't name the other platform, and two, uh, it's not that simple. I mean, this was an audience that was built up over time, and that's a lot of work, and that's a lot of stuff have to redo
1: they do have a third-party security firm that's doing an audit changing tools practices they did say that the that the stuff they got um, was encrypted and so no credit cards numbers were stolen um, and uh, and so on. So it, there was source code. There was, uh, you know, there were some uh, there were some things, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been.
3: That said, keep an eye on your accounts if you use that site. You never know. Yeah. Bill,
0: let's talk about gaming and the minute and a half we have left. Sometimes when you buy a Gaming console, it comes with a bundle of games to play. That bundle used to be made up of disks. Now it often includes a code to enter to download a purely digital version of the game. Mm -hmm. That's proving problematic for the business model of the popularly used used game, um, game store, GameStop. How is the company fighting back? Well, they're fighting back
3: by basically saying we're going to stop selling consoles with built-in digital codes because a lot of the, their bread and butter is, is uh, letting you trade in your, your games um, for pennies on the dollar so they can then sell that for a huge markup to other people. And you just can't do that with digital, uh, digital uh, downloads. So this is a way for them to hopefully preserve what is turning out to be probably an archaic business model in the long term. They're just and, hanging on. And
0: when we talked about ad blocking, we got an email from some from Eve who says, I don't mind the ads on web pages. I realize that these ads pay for services that I use. If I don't wish to read the ad, I can do something else for that minute. And this from uh, Dave in Reston. Here's my business proposal. An ad company that, A, hosts the ads, B, uses only static images, no flash, no animations, no JavaScript, and C, no tracking. Think of DuckDuckGo for ads. I'd unblock that company on both phone and laptop. And guess what, Dave? You get to have the last word today because we are out of time. John Gilroy is Director for Business Development for BLT Global Ventures. Alison Drone is a Special Advisor for National Digital Strategy for the National Park Service. And Bill Harlow is a Hardware and Software Technician for Macs and PCs at Mid-Atlantic Consulting Incorporated. Together they are the computer guys and gals. Thank you for joining us, and thank you all for listening. I'm Kojon Nandi.